Alright, well this morning's lesson, we are in week 9 of our stewardship series for Sunday School. And this morning's lesson is God's purpose for our health and stewarding poor health. So we'll tackle purpose for our health up front and then stewarding poor health on the back end. So we've spent quite a bit of time so far talking about different aspects of stewardship. We've talked about money, which is generally, I think, one of the first things we think about, you know, stewarding money, finances, property, capital, things that God has given us. And then we've, uh, Pastor Des spent some time going through uh, time and uh, being stewards of our time. And now we're going to spend some time thinking about health. But I think we should begin this class with a question. And that question is, why? Why? Why should we think about health? And I think we generally think about health when our health is poor, right? It, we, we generally pray regarding health when health is poor, right? It becomes to the forefront of our mind as our bodies are afflicted in some capacity, right? And we ask those questions. But I think we should ask the question, why, when we're healthy, why has God given me good health? Why has God given me the health that I have that is better than others? So let's do this by asking a question. So if you were to ask some random person on the street, and they're not a Christian, not coming from a Christian worldview, and you were to ask them why their health is important, what do you think are some of the answers you would get? from a non-Christian, just random person on the street. Why is health important? What's that? Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Look good, feel good. Yeah, look good, feel good. Yep. Be able to work, earn a living, and provide for a family. Yes, yeah, the, that functional piece. Yeah, work, living, yeah, provision, yep. No, good. Those are some really, really good, really good answers. Now let's think about how would a... Christians answer be to that question and are there aspects that would be different from that why might a Christian give the why for their health being important if you will what's the Christian why with why health is important mm -hmm. yes Yes. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good nuance, right? Like a non Christian might be like, I want to be really successful so people praise me or I get attention or whatever it might be. Whereas a Christian, like you said, is I want I want to glorify God, right? And part of that is providing for my family. I need a you know, a body that is enabled to be able to do that, to provide and, and, th and things of that nature. Yep. That's really good. Yeah, Rich. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely fair point in regards to uh, health and connection, like Christian service, you know, the Christian life and Christian service. Yeah, and whether that will, you can maximize that or if it gets minimized, right? Yeah, because body's an important piece to that. Yeah, excellent point. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, but yeah, that nuance that, that both are sacred, body and soul, not just this, yeah, this overly spiritual view of the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And I think you guys are really kind of hitting on what we're what we're going to dive in as we think about health, and then as we think about what does that look like when God gives us poor health. So in that regards, one of the big things, especially when we talk about stewardship, and we noticed this when we talked about money and time, was that it belongs to God, right? Our money belongs to God. Our time belongs to God. And so health, that's the first thing we're going to hit on, right? Our health belongs to God. And in part of that is just this recognition of his sovereignty, and then it's this, it's this submitting to God's sovereignty, that he's the one who's in control of our health, just like he is our finances, right? And there's also that ownership idea, right? We want, to, we want to reflect appropriately that God is owner of all things. So, so with that, let's go ahead and turn to your notes. Or to point number two, your health belongs to God, right? And we think of this, God made us, God owns us, end of story, right? It's that, it's that simple. And Paul brings this out in 1 Corinthians 6. Turn with me into 1 Corinthians 6. Just a really helpful passage as we think about this concept, right? And it'll bring this idea of ownership to the, to the forefront. In the context, Paul's warning about sexual morality, and he's given the reasons why Christians... Uh, must avoid sexual morality, but but I think there's a there's a takeaway for us as we read First uh, Corinthians chapter six, and turn with me to verses nineteen and twenty. And if we can have a volunteer read verses nineteen and twenty, First Corinthians six. Yeah, Sabrina. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that that's the important piece. For the Christian, we're not only created by God, but we're ransomed by God, right? And that's what Paul says in verse 20, right? For you were bought with a price. And then that so in verse 20 is really important, right? That so is building, right, on that premise. Because you have been redeemed, right? The life and death of Christ laid down for you. Therefore, the response, the appropriate response is glorify God in your body, right? And an implication there is health, right? When we think about body, there's that physicalness. And that physicalness is what we're thinking about when we think of um, our health. And so then a subset of that is 
if if God owns our bodies, then he has the right to do with them as he pleases. And, uh, and, and look with me in this text in Deuteronomy 32. So head back to the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 32, and we'll look at verse 39. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. And again, like we said er, a little bit earlier, part of what we see is this idea of ownership, but then we also see this idea of sovereignty, right? God has the right to do what he wants. And so when we look at Deuteronomy 32, let's read verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. God can make us sick. God can make us well. God can make us energetic. He can make us tired. And He can do all of this for His purpose because we are His. When God bought us with the blood of Jesus, He bought Even more so, he bought the right to spend our health in any way he chooses, even though he already had the right, he already had that right when he made us, right? So it's like, has that right from creation, then we have fall, and then he redeems us, and then brings up that again, right, that ownership idea, even more so, right, he has that right. So, but let's think about this, right? Because when we think about that, sometimes we don't want to take that in the abstract and think about that apart from God's goodness, apart from the goodness we've experienced, right? We're talking about deliverance and redemption. But it's helpful for us, we we think of things like Romans 8.28, right? How God's working all things for the good of those who are the called in Christ, for us who are in Christ. And I think that is really important, right? Or this idea of God's imminence when we think of Psalm 56.8. You have kept count of my tossings and put my tears in your bottle, right? So we don't want to think of God in this abstract way in which, um, in which he painfully inflicts apart from his goodness, that we must see all of these together, his sovereignty and his goodness together, and that God works all of these for his purpose. So two, two sub-principles, if you will, when we think about your health belonging to God, and then we'll, then we'll get into... To section three. So the first one is all health comes from God, right? And we just saw that in Deuteronomy 32. And so I think a takeaway in that regards is, well, then what, what's, what's our responsibility? And our responsibility is to trust the Lord and be content with his dealings with us. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, right? But it's helpful for us to appropriately see where's our responsibility in, in, in this, right, when we think about our health. But then secondly, right, so we think about our health coming from God, right, but then we think of that little second subsection, we are to use our health for God, right, for his service, for his purposes, for us, right? Just like how we've thought about so much in our previous classes, this emphasis of faithfulness. We want to be faithful to the Lord. And so that means being faithful to the Lord with our health and our service to Him. 
right? All the health that God gives us is to be spent entirely on his purposes, right? Now, within that, right, God designs within his purposes for us to care and maintain ourselves, right? It's not like this, you know, um, uh, completely being spent and no rest. God, God has included all of that, right? But we must see that that all of it is for him. All of our help is for his purposes, right? And we are to joyfully submit to his purposes. So let's look at, sub, uh, at section three. So we've looked at our health belongs to God. Now we're going to look at three purposes for health. And so the first one is to illustrate God's kingdom. And uh, it's been interesting as we've been preaching through the gospel of Mark, and we can see this, right? How physical healings are depictions of spiritual realities of the kingdom but they are spiritual realities that are like a foretaste, right, of seeing the kingdom in its consummate form or the kingdom in its completed form, right, in the new heavens and new earth, right? And so one really cool aspect of health is it illustrates, it demonstrates God's kingdom, and we can see that firsthand. Like, for example, um, uh, uh, even, even so in Matthew 11, verses 4 through 6, when... Jesus is asked about the ministry of John the Baptist. And Jesus responds, and he talks about health. He says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Right? And, and it's interesting. You think of why didn't Jesus just give them the simple answer, I'm, I'm the Messiah, right? And just settled it, right? But what he appealed to was that the king is here because the realities of the kingdom are here, right? And the reality of the kingdoms, we're seeing these spiritual aspects come to life now, right? Being demonstrated physically, all being pointers or signs of what will ultimately come, right? in the kingdom of Jesus in its completed form. So let's look at point two then. So the first point is to illustrate God's kingdom. The second point is service. And we've already started talking about this. You guys were bringing some of this up when we were doing our initial questions, like answering the question of why. So let's think about service. And a really important text is Philippians chapter 1. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, and we'll get a volunteer to read verses 1 through 26. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. If I can have a volunteer, if someone's willing. Yeah, Anna. Yeah, what an interesting text when we think about 
health, and we think about Christian service, right? And so here it comes right to the forefront with the Apostle Paul. And we think about this context, right? He's in prison. This is one of the prison letters. And yet, even under the threat of persecution, he is optimistic. He is responding optimistic. And he's considering two aspects. One is death, and one is living, right? And he's thinking about these in really profound ways, right? And normally we think of death in really profound ways, and then life we don't think of really profound, right? We just think of, like, life as the mundane, right? But he's thinking about both of these in a, in a, in a really profound way, right? Dying is gaining, right? Being with Christ is far better, right? Like, like, like he says in Philippians 1. But then look at verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account, right? Knowing how he can serve and strengthen Christ's bride. In fact, he says that to the point where he's convinced that he's going to be released and be back with them. And, I, and you can almost have this flavor of because of this necessity to serve, right? That, 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 that he's going to be released and there's implications for service, which is going to mean I'm going to come back and I'm going to be able to serve you. I'm going to be able to work alongside you for your joy. And I think that has implications for us. Right? Not only to trust the Lord in his providence, but then also for us to optimistically aim. You know, Lord, if you open this door, how is it that I can not just live, uh, but how can I live and serve you and serve others, right? In, in, in the appropriate way that you have called me. Yeah, and you he, he think here too, Paul didn't opt for the most relaxing response right now again we, we also think of Paul as an apostle and there's there's aspects that are round up in that but I think that's there's an important point for us from a purpose standpoint right the way in which we purpose and structure our life there is imitation there with the apostle and I think that's really important for us to pick up on so when we think of this idea of service sometimes it can almost be um, I think of this idea of service uh, sometimes we don't connect like our bodies and how draining that can be on our bodies, right? And again, we're not advocating um, uh, this overly spiritual view in which you don't maintain and take care of your body. That's an important part. But there's an aspect of service in which over time, our body will show the effects of wear and tear, right? And I think colloquially, we just call that aging, right? You just you show the effects of being 60 versus 25, but there's this really, really good quote here from this book uh, called Loving the Little Years. And here's what um, Rachel Jankovich uh, writes. And again, I meant to uh, start out and just say, right, just like we have been going through, this is the um, Capitol Hill Baptist Course Seminar, right? Um, um, we're, we're more or less kind of following along here. So in the book, Loving the Little Years, and here's what Rachel Jankovic writes. Our bodies are tools, not treasures. 
You should not spend your days trying to preserve your body in its 18-year-old form. Let it be used. By the time you die, you want to have a very dinged and dented body. Motherhood uses your body in the way that God designed it to be used. Those are the right kind of damages. We are not to treat our bodies like museum pieces. They were not given to us to preserve. They were given to us to use. So use it cheerfully and maintain it cheerfully. When you are working hard to lose the baby weight, as you may need to, think of it as tool maintenance. You want to fix your body in order to be able to use your body some more. Your body is a tool. Use it. Wow, what a really good reflection on the body and service. And it can be helpful for us, as we've reflected in previous classes, on Romans 12.1, right? The call from the apostle to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our spiritual worship. It is our spiritual service, right? It's our service with the priesthood of the believers in which we serve the Lord. Right, and there might be some practical ways in which we 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 think of this. How do we how do we spend and use our bodies in service? Right, and in in, in one right, just kind of building on um, uh, uh, the book that we just referenced. Um, right, we think of it in, in the raising of children, and just the effects that that will show with the raising of kids. Right, and the physical marks that show the process. And we can also see this even as being caregivers for others, caregivers for our parents or for, or for seniors or others. Right? Maybe another aspect is the lifetime of physical labor, spending our bodies to be able to feed and provide for our families. And we don't want to think of this either as, as waste or some wrong view, right? Let us see that in its godly view that we have used our body in a way that has earned, glorified the Lord, and provided for others. And part of this is going to then intersect as we think about the quality of life and the quantity of life, right? As we kind of put that together in a matrix, right? We have to think through um, what, uh, you know, on a spectrum, okay, well then with illness, how do I respond to that? And what kind of medicine? And what will work best, right? And what kind of treatments do we, do we go after, right? And then, and then in all those things, thinking how I can still serve my brothers and sisters, right? As we think through some of those, some of those options. And then lastly, right, we've talked about this idea of maintenance, maintaining our bodies like we're maintaining a tool. You know, as you, as, as you go from your 20s to your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, maintenance needs to be more deliberate, right? Our bodies require it. Metabolism slows. Injuries take longer to heal. Bodies are more worn down. And we need to see this care for the body as Christ's proper gift to us as being a good steward. Proper things like rest, relaxation, 
being able uh, um, uh, to remove ourselves from stress for, uh, for a time, right? The proper things that are needed for uh, proper balance, right? And we, we think of this, but then also uh, proper, um, proper work with our muscles and exercise and, and appropriate, th uh, appropriate things in that regard, stretching and, and, and things in, in categories like that, especially as we get older. And there's a difference here, and this is what Harrison pointed out when we first started, right? Where if you were to just watch a video, right, and you can see a non-Christian and a Christian, right, tool maintenance, if you will, more or less might look the same, right? But then it's that end that can be different, right? Whereas the non-Christian is doing this in idolatry, right? And, what, and whatever, is, whatever he or she is going after, Right, whether it's success or this perfect body image or pleasing others or getting praise or the comfort that comes from all those things versus the Christian who's not looking to glorify health but who's looking to glorify God and use our body in ways that will just put Christ on display in, in all of life, right? In all of life. So... So turn with me, and, and um, we'll go to uh, point four. So we've seen our health belongs to God. We've seen the three purposes for health related to the kingdom, service, and now, I'm sorry, and now that third point, to rightly enjoy God's creation. So there is an aspect of health in which its purpose is simply to be enjoyed, that God has wired us for pleasure, in all different aspects of life. And that is to be enjoyed in and of itself and give God praise for such. Right? And um, uh, again, we've used this text, uh, I feel like, multiple times, and we're probably going to keep using it multiple times, right? Because there's so many implications. When we think of 1 Timothy 4.4. 4. If we could have someone read 1 Timothy 4.4. 4. If you want to turn over there, right, in 1 Timothy Four four. We'll just take a volunteer to read First Timothy four four. Yeah, Harrison. Yeah, really good. So we see this aspect that creation, and there's an aspect in which we need to appreciate this: that creation, in and of itself as provided by God, is to be enjoyed, and that is a good thing in and of itself. And that we are to appropriately thank God for the things in which he is made. Right? You think about this, and you, you think about, like, the tongue, for example. Right? Not, not the tongue, like, in the spiritual sense, how, you know, the scripture will use it, like, in regards to words. Nothing. You think about the, the physical tongue, right? And when you eat, and there are and I don't understand the science behind this, but there's all kinds of things on your tongue that respond to different types of foods, right? Aspects of foods, not just texture, right, which is a piece of it, but whether something is sweet or whether something is spicy or whether something is bitter, right? All of that is a part of God's good creation. And, and, and an aspect of this is when we eat, we give thanks, right? And part of that thanks is because this is really enjoyable, Right, and if it's not, you get miracle fruit, and it'll t you know turn lemons into lemonade. Right, 
Um, uh, so, but yeah, there, there's that aspect that's really important for us that we give God when we, we when we think about all the different categories of creation and all these things that are good. Asceticism, uh, um, asceticism, or this view in which creation and the created order is somehow defunct or bad, or we should we should really push against it, is not healthy. That's not proper stewardship. Now, again, part of that can be an overreaction where we see people glorifying the body or gratifying the body in, in ways that are idolatrous. But we must not go on the other side, right? And 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, I think, really keeps us in that, in that proper balance. So really, really helpful as we, as, we, as we think about these kind of things in our bodies. So any questions or comments so far with what we've talked about in regards to stewarding health before we hop into poor health? Any questions or comments? Yeah, Harrison. Exodus 4. really good. That's helpful. Dying, it's kind of like they're 
Yes. So when when a saint is dying of cancer, his unbelieving family members are around him. They listen to that. Yeah, there's a certain gravity to yeah. it. So, you know, there is God has, you know, it's like, uh, um, you know, like I like uh, he writes in Isaiah, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways, mm-hmm. and His thoughts higher than our thoughts. And when Paul's contemplating the salvation of uh, of Israel and the plan of Israel. Ends up with this exclamation at the end of Romans 11, saying, "You know how how infinite God's wisdom is. You know who can who can bat it? Yeah. And it's, that's what it is. You know, it's just it's God made everything. We we are not going to be able to to figure out why He made everything the way He made it. You know, why did He make uh, why did He make uh, animals the way they are? Why mm-hmm. did He make similar structures or whatnot? Yes." Yeah, and that just comes back to that aspect that we were kind of talking about earlier, right? Just that idea of, like, our responsibility is to trust and to be content, right? Still, I mean, yeah, still do appropriate things, but, yeah, no, ab- absolutely, right? Coming back to that purpose. Can All right. Really oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, like, during the Olympics, one of the things that really encouraged me was Sydney McLaughlin, if I'm not using her last name. Mm-hmm. And this was her quote, because somebody at the pinnacle where you could just be about self and body image and mm-hmm. all of that. She said, records come and glow, records come and go, the glory of God is eternal. Um, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything. Wow. So, it, was, it was so refreshing, you know, um, to you know, see an athlete like that. And, yes. You know, she broke, you know, the Olympic record, the world record, or the hurdles, and it was, it, was, it was truly inspiring. Yeah. Man, that is super encouraging. Yeah. To see see a Christian do that, you know, and give the Lord glory. Yeah, and there were other athletes. Like, I can't remember the name of the swimmer. You know, she, they wear two swimming caps, and the, when she took her, her uh, um, country cap off, yep. you know, she had, like, Soledad Gloria. Oh, wow. On the other cap. And so, yeah, was, there were some, you can see some athletes that understand yes. their purpose and what God has given them. Yes, yeah. Keeping it in right perspective. No, it's good. All right, well, let's transition. So we'll be looking at um, point four on our notes. Where does sickness come from? So, uh, so much of teaching in the Christian life comes back to, uh, like, the major four, right? Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Right, and it's like you're you're probably going to hit you know several of them, if not all four, right, in any given teaching. So, with this, we go back to the beginning, right? God created us without sickness. In Genesis one, when God gave His proclamation in verse thirty-one, it was that creation was very good. And then we read later in Genesis three, as we're familiar with the story. Sin enters the world through Adam, and then there is an appropriate curse placed on all of creation. And that's where we pick up in Romans chapter 8. So turn with me to Romans chapter 8, where Paul, uh, I believe, is reflecting on this reality 
from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, at least. So in Romans chapter 8, and we'll read verses 19 through 23. So Romans 8, 19 through 23. We'll have a volunteer if someone's willing to read. Yeah, Pastor Des, yeah. And so we see this whole idea. The whole creation, right, subjected to the pains of childbirth, right? Even we ourselves who are children of God and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? And we're groaning. We're inwardly groaning and waiting. But there's this groaning because of sin and the curse. Right? So look with me in verse in verse 20. All right, we'll do a little grammar lesson here. Good old grammar. So when we look at verse 20, for the creation, and this, is, this, this verb is important, where it says, was subjected, is not, is not an active verb, right? Where the subject is acting, you know, like I hit the ball, but this is a passive verb, where the creation was acted upon, right? And we, and we see this as a, you know, what can be called a divine passive, where God has subjected this world to futility. And he, and he, also, but he, but he also did it in hope, right? And, that's, and, and, and that we see in verse 21, right? With this goal. It was subjected in verse 20 with this goal of freedom in verse 21, right? And there, and there's, and there is some freedom that we experience now, right, in Christ. But that ultimate freedom Paul envisions here is the new creation, new heavens and the new earth. So let's ask a question, right? Good creation, then we have sin and the curse, and then now creation is subjected to futility, but it's with this purpose for hope and freedom. So let's ask this question. How was this curse in hope that creation would be set free from bondage, as Roman 8 puts it? So like a rhetorical question. How was this curse in hope that creation would be set free from bondage? And there's this interesting aspect that, 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 uh, that Capitol Hill uh, brings out here. And it's so that God would curse our idols while we are here on the earth, right? All these good things like family and relationships and work, all things that are created as good 
and are pleasurable and satisfying. But they were always intended for this larger purpose to bring God glory. And, and in a fallen world, our temptation is to find satisfaction in these things in and of themselves, right? And not give the giver thanks and do praise. And so it's almost as if God subjects this world so that it reminds us, yes, it's still good, but it's cursed for a reason because these things in and of themselves are also looking to something greater, right? They're looking to me, right? There's this pointer aspect, right? Something beyond itself. And there's a little quote here on your notes, and we'll just go ahead and read that. I thought, I thought that was really, really helpful, right? We just kind of think of this, how sin, curse, creation is now subjected to futility, but also put in hope as we look forward to that great day of new creation. The most loving thing God could have done once sin separated us from him was to ensure we would not find meaning in anything but him. Right? Maybe we'll just read that one more time. The most loving thing that God could have done once sin separated us from him was to ensure we would not find meaning in anything but him. And that just really puts that together well. But I think this has important ramifications, especially when we face times of poor health. And uh, Piper, uh, years ago, uh, put in a blog um, post uh, entitled, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Here's what he wrote. It will not do to say that God only uses our cancer, but does not design it. What God permits, he permits for a reason. And that reason is his design. If God foresees molecular developments becoming cancer, he can stop it or not stop it. If he does not, he has a purpose in it. Since he is infinitely wise, it is right to call this purpose a design. That God is orchestrating all things. And yes, Satan is real, and, and he causes many, play, um, uh, uh, many pains, but he is not ultimate. And it's important for us, as we think about the Lord and his sovereignty, to think about the experience of Job and what the writer of Job wants us to take away in Job 2 and in Job 42. So when Satan strikes Job with boils, in, in, in Job chapter 2, verse 7, Job ultimately attributes this to God in verse 10. And the writer responds in verse 42, right at the very end. It says, they comforted him for all the evil, and then here's the important piece, that the Lord had brought upon him. And here's how Piper kind of ends this, this, this meditation. If you don't believe your cancer is designed for you by God, you will waste it. 
And that's really powerful. And I think that's appropriate for us to, to reflect and catch ourselves with the tendency is with poor health, we want to get through. And I, I, I struggle with this, right? Just want to get, get it over with. I want to be done with it, right? And so I can have, have my life back, you know, the way that I enjoyed it. And, and in reality, we need to be thinking that our goal is to accept what God has given us. And with the eyes of faith, act knowing it is good for us. That God in His infinite wisdom has purposed this time period and situation and every aspect of what we are going through for our good and for His namesake. As, as hard as that is, right? As hard as that is. So, let's look at section 5. So we've looked at where sickness comes from, we've, we've, and we've, we've, we've paid attention there, and now, now we're going to uh, hit briefly or quickly on some of our last remaining points on, on section 5 related to... Uh, God's purposes in poor health, and then living as faithful and hopeful stewards. And what I want to do here, just for the sake of brevity, because I believe just covering these can be a helpful, just a helpful little summary, is I'll, I'll read some of the texts that are associated with these as we as we work our way through with it with a brief comment. So one purpose, right, or the first one on our notes here, is to wean us from self-sufficiency. So what is one purpose that God purposes in poor health, and that is to wean us from self-sufficiency. So listen to 2 Corinthians 1.8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us, right, that, right, that purpose, right, the word that, that purpose, that purpose statement, was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So that first purpose, right, that we really see clear in verse 9, that was to make us not rely on ourselves. The Lord wants to wean us and strip us of our self-sufficiency, right? Our wrong kind of independence. So Another purpose, purpose two, if you will. Poor health gives others opportunity to serve us in our weakness. And here, Galatians chapter 4. I'll read verses 13 through 15. You know that it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. And then a little bit later in verse 15. If possible, right, talking about the service, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Right? They gave themselves to Paul 
in his time of service to them in, in weakness, in poor health. Thirdly, poor health is an opportunity to walk in the light through confession of sin. Here, James chapter 4, or I'm sorry, James chapter 5. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, right, with these things in mind, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so lastly, purpose number four. Poor health makes us long for heaven. Right, and we see this in Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And so for the sake of time, I'll just point you to point six, how we can live as faithful and hopeful or optimistic stewards, even in times of poor health. So as we conclude, let us respond to the Lord in that sense of the one who has ownership of all things, and also as the one who is in control of all things, right? The Lord, our covenant God, who not only has done these things, but has redeemed us and is working these things for our good and will take us with him to the new heavens and new earth. With that, may the Lord strengthen us and give us wisdom to appropriately steward our bodies and to trust him in times of illness Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you were gracious to us. Give us grace. Help us to glorify you in our bodies. Help us to glorify you in, um, in times of health and in times of sickness. And may you give us the strength that we need and give us the wisdom that we need to maintain, to maintain our, our body as tools so that your name would be honored. Amen.